Running Light Ministry Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Okay, welcome to the Running Light Podcast. My name is Bo. I'm Peter. And we're here, we're going to talk to you guys today about grace. That's going to be our topic. And grace, how it works really with us when it comes to uh, walking in freedom um, and what that looks like. It's a word that's brought up quite a bit, that's for sure, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. But it's kind of brought up in such a broad context, sometimes you don't really know what it is anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, a lot of the problems that we tend to have uh, with grace as Christians is we think of grace as like uh, almost just the thing that opens the door to God. And then once you're you're in, you don't need it anymore. But Paul in Galatians 2, when he's talking to the Galatian believers uh, who said that, hey, Jesus is great, but you also need to follow some parts of the law, he says, I do not so easily set aside the grace of God. So I think it's really important that we as Christians understand that grace is just as applicable to you today as before you believed. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's so true. Uh, Galatians chapter 3 uh, I mean, tells us that we don't just begin in grace in the Christian life, but we actually continue in it. Yeah. Um, so that that book is a great one. Yeah, when we think of grace, a lot of us think of like the acronym God's Riches at Christ's Expense. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times we think of um, Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, right? We're saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. Um, Lest anyone should boast, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And we kind of think of grace in that we're saved by grace. Mm. Um, So a lot of times it is easy for us just to think of grace at the moment of salvation. But really, the work of the gift um, of grace is not only to save, but it's actually making us holy. Mm. That's what it's doing is it's actually it's the power of God to work in the lives of sinners and uh, in order to make us to glorify him. Hmm. Um, And that's kind of how God's grace is working. Um, So it's working in us to help us to glorify his name. And uh, so sometimes we talk about grace in recovery um, as tools of grace. You know, what do you think? What does that mean to you when I say that, like the tools of grace? Hmm. Well, um, when I think about like the tools of grace, uh, what I would immediately think about is, is once again, I need to I need to start thinking about the nuances of grace, that grace is a little more in depth or complicated than just saying like, oh, it just it just gets you a free pass to heaven. That's what grace is. Um, and, and certainly, you know, obviously the Bible says that, that the, that it's the grace of God that, that gets us into heaven, that it saves us, is by grace we are saved in that passage you just quoted, Bo. Um, but it's very important to understand that grace is actually God's way. It, it actually, the, the word charis, it actually, it carries the idea of undeserved favor. So it's not just something that God uses just to save us, but it saves us into a relationship with him. And it preserves us in that relationship. And so just like any other type of relationship, you know, if you're married, uh, getting into that relationship is just the first part. You know, staying and growing and molding yourself into that relationship is what makes a good marriage a good marriage. You Mm -hmm. know, imagine if you got married and you're just like, well, I'm in. Um, This is it. You know, let's just see how this pans out. And I'm just going to act exactly like I did when I was single. You know, you're obviously not going to be married too long. 
And so throughout these podcasts, and I hope we, we have more opportunities to talk more in detail about these tools of grace, uh, we'll talk about things like amputation. You know, a lot of us don't really see amputation as a tool of grace, but it is. It, it's God's favor on us to be able to separate ourselves from things that cause us cause disruptions in our relationship with God mm. uh, or, or things like confession, uh, our ability to go before other believers and, and confess areas of sin and to experience the beauty of, of showing grace towards one another and encouraging one another and developing one another's faith uh, in God and praying for one another as the Bible encourages us to do. So uh, in my mind, those would be the tools of grace uh, that God affords and gives to us to once again help us to grow closer to him in a relationship. Yeah, I mean, and that's great because a lot of people don't look at grace as kind of like God's toolbox. Like he's got all these tools in there, you know, and one of them is, you know, confession. One of them is repentance. One of them is, you know, cutting off avenues. One of them is drinking of God's word and all these things like that. And they don't see that as grace. They almost see that as just like, oh, that's what they do. Mm. <laughs> instead of <laughs> instead of seeking that in prayer, yeah. instead of saying, God, you know, seek, uh, I'm seeking you for the ability, mm. you know, the power to glorify you in this action, mm. you know, because grace isn't grace can't be grace if God is not glorified in the action, mm. you know, and so it's important that we remember that the grace of God is not just for us alone, but it's also to reflect the glory, the goodness, the value of God, mm. you know. So when I am confessing my sin, you know, I'm confessing it with a heart to want people to know God better mm. and his work in my life, mm. you know, and that's what I'm concerned about is is God and how God's seeing things, mm. you know, how God's seen amongst people, you know. In my life, so um, that's 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 it. Might be it might seem like a small thing to some people, but to me it's kind of a big thing in my brain. You know that grace has to come back to His power in me to glorify Him, hmm. to shine Him in these tools. You know of the Christian life, right. and for a lot of us coming out of um, maybe a lot of secrecy with pornography. Um, you know, we really haven't walked in a lot of these graces. We haven't seen them as a positive. Like if I were to ask you, is grace a positive or a negative? Mm. Hopefully you would say it's a positive, right? But then my next question would be to someone is, then why don't you walk in them? Mm. You know, and they would go, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, because a lot of times we don't see a lot of the graces of God like confession, or amputation as a positive. We see it as a negative. So it's hard to glorify God. I guess my point is, is if you see something as a negative all the time, yeah. you know, it's hard to, you know, again, I like your analogies with the husband and wife because it's, it's hard to really glorify your wife if you have to stop, you know, going to the booby bars, you know, because, you know, it bums her out. Yeah. You know, if it's kind of like a bummer, you know, that it doesn't really glorify her too much. Yeah. You know, to do it. So, I mean, I think that's an important kind of distinction, too. You got to make with God's grace when we're saying how it practically works in our life. It, it's always there to glorify him. Right. Right. And uh, 
I like what John Piper says. He's got this this awesome story where he's like, imagine I, you know, he's been married to his wife for you know forty something years. He's <laughs> right. like, imagine I go to the door and you know I knock on the door and my wife comes out and I got flowers and and she's like, honey, why did you do this for me? And he's like, well, you know, you're, you're my wife for forty six years and I read a book on marriage and they said it would be really good if I did this, you know. <laughs> so I, I guess I kind of have to, you know. But uh, I do love you, kinda, and let's do it, you know. He's like, how's that gonna go over? And he's like, now it's Let's switch the scenario. He's like, what if I come home and I knock on the door and she says, why did you do this? And I say, well, honey, because you are the most amazing, incredible, beautiful woman on earth. And there's nothing I'd like to do better tonight than to spend that time with you and to love you and to honor you. And he says, what woman on earth would listen to that and say, you are so selfish. It's all about you, isn't it? You just <laughs> you just want to do what makes you feel good. And he's like, no, right? Because what? What does that do? It shows her value. It shows her honor. It glorifies her. Mm-hmm. And the same way with us with God, it's like, you know, if I if I confess or if I amputate and people are like, why are you doing that? I'm like, well, you know, I, I read in the Bible that I have to, you know, so it sucks. But, you know, I guess God kind of wants me to. So I guess I'll do it. Uh, you know, what, what, what would be the right answer? It'd be, well, you know what? God is the most beautiful, amazing, incredible person on the whole earth. And I want to do everything I can to better my relationship with him because he's the best. You know, who, yeah. who else would I want to honor? You know, that's what glorifies God. For yeah, sure. that's awesome. This idea um, that you get from uh, of grace being kind of a continue work in our life is also seen in First Corinthians chapter 15. Um, and this is Paul talking here. But he says, um, I am the least of the apostles. This is verse 9, who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Mm. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. It's kind of an interesting uh, way to talk about grace, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. It's, It's something that definitely seems foreign. Uh, from a lot of people's vocabulary. And and I will say in my life, this concept of grace certainly set me free um, because I, I was kind of in that. I mean, I, I say it jokingly today of the, the situation with the husband and the wife, and the husband says, you know, I guess I got to. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is exactly how I acted towards God for so many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that so many Christians do that, where I even looked at fighting this sin as kind of like a bummer. Or I was like, you know, uh, I guess God told me I can't, so I guess I, I kind of have to, you know. And uh, I guess, you know, God told me I have to confess, and God told me I have to amputate, so I guess I, I have to do those things. But I didn't want to at all. Uh, it was it was always kind of a bummer for me. And so <clears throat> starting to understand that these things are not something that, again, is is mandated on us by God, but it's some it's a gift. It's a gift that God freely gives to us to better us. And, and I like Romans 8, what Paul writes mm. to the Romans. He says, uh, verse 15, For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear. And that's the important word there that he says a bondage again. Because the Old Testament was a bondage to fear. Uh, if you go through the Old Testament law, it's like, well, why did you keep the Old Testament law? Well, if you kept them, you were blessed. 
if you didn't keep them, you got jacked up, right? They got removed from their land. They got destroyed. Their their women got ravished. Their towns got destroyed and burned. So pretty it's like, serious. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely pretty serious. So it's like, of course it was a bondage to fear. It was a fearful thing uh, to follow the law in the Old Testament. And Paul says that's not the new covenant. He says you did not receive a bondage again to fear. He says, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And that is the same word in Aramaic that Jesus used to describe his relationship with his own dad, with the father. He called him Abba. And Paul says that's the kind of relationship we have with the father now. It's the same relationship that Jesus had. And that changes everything for me. Because the way I think about it is like, okay, well, what kind of relationships do I have that are built on fear? Well, like, let's take my relationship with my boss. You know, back when I was in the Marine Corps, I had, I had, commanders over me and why did i obey them because i was afraid if i didn't obey them they could you know they could make me do a bunch of humiliating things they could yell at me they could scream at me they could demote me they could do all sorts of things so i i had to obey them but i didn't want to Hmm. nothing in my heart wanted to i just did it because i had to and those relationships they weren't built on love at all they had no love within them they had no joy within them either and I think so many of us, and me, I definitely can speak from experience, I treated God like a boss. I followed him, I obeyed him, but I didn't want to. None of it touched my heart. I never saw it as a grace. I never saw it as a joy uh, to follow him or anything like that. But then I think about, like, well, what relationships do I have in my life that are built on love? Well, what about the relationship I have with my dad? You know, it's completely built on love. I don't listen to my dad because I have to. I could ignore my dad or I could love my dad. It's completely free will, free choice. But I know for a fact that my dad cares about me. He loves me. He has always shown his sacrificial love for me. And so because of that, it makes me want to serve him. And it's only those relationships where you want to serve the other person that actually changes your heart towards a certain thing. Like I think about the things that I do for my wife. You know, it's like uh, things like, cooking her breakfast or cleaning the bathroom, things that I ordinarily hate doing become joyful because of the way I feel about her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So getting rid of our stuff is no longer, we're not fighting. We don't fight pornography or sexual immorality with this like, man, I got to stop. I got to stop. I got to, you know, that kind of, that kind of frightening, you know, um, bondage. But instead we start developing a new relationship with God. And a new view of God. And that's what's, that's what's I think so important about the Romans 8 section where it talks about that, hey, we're not in bondage again to fear. Um, because, you know, that fear, as First John talks about, uh, fear uh, involves torment. <laughs> you know, how scary is that of a thought, you know? But he says, perfect love cast out fear. and that And that's beautiful. So in my relationship with Jesus Christ... There can be a, a new love-based relationship where I know that God, I know that, that that God wants to deal with this area of my life. And I think most people that are stuck in pornography in the, in the church, they know God wants to deal with it in their heart. You know, it's like they know that, man, I, I just, you know, God wants to deal with this. But they, because they kind of revert back to that that fear-based relationship with God, it has definitely kept them stuck Instead of having that mentality of, hey, man, you know, this is a good thing, you know, to, to, to get rid of this and to work on this and to be open about this and to talk to other people about this. Um, 
you know, for sure. So, yeah, seeing seeing um, God differently is uh, certainly an aspect of grace. And if we don't see God correctly, um, then we certainly are not going to have uh, the right attitude towards his grace and what that's going to lead into in a daily walk with him, mm. um, for sure, especially to be able to glorify his 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 name. Yeah, so 1 Corinthians is kind of a cool passage when it talks about that grace because he's talking about laboring, work, and usually we don't equate, equate work with grace. Mm. You know, so we kind of think, oh, well, grace is something that happened in the past. It's all Jesus Christ, and so we don't labor. But Paul says, no, I labor, not I, but the grace of God. And it's kind of a neat little insight mm. because even though he's lifting, um, he finds that something is giving him the power to lift, you know, and so he sees God fully at work mm. within him to be able to move him um, in ways to glorify and honor God in his life. Mm. Um, so sometimes we have to kind of work through that idea that, oh, well, I guess God's just going to do that work in me. I guess I'm not to do anything. You know, I sure I shouldn't be, you know, watching that or doing this. But, you know, it's going to be all God. It's all grace, you know, so I don't do nothing. Right. And I think that's where. First Corinthians 15 comes into play in our life and says, well, no, there is a laboring that that is going to take effect if right. it's if it's true, the grace of God, because God's grace is always going to move in our life uh, towards holiness. Mm-hmm. So we know it's God's grace because it's going to move towards, you know, our holiness and God's glory. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the thing that I always have to remember is that it's it's always for my betterment. You know, yeah. like it's not it's not the betterment of me to be in bondage to pornography. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a a good thing for me. I don't look back at the times I spent in porn addiction. I'm sure you don't either, Bo. Mm-hmm. And like, man, the good old days, you know, I, I miss those. You know, like there's there's no part of me that misses it at all because the love of Jesus Christ is so far superior to it. You know, mm-hmm. like I don't miss it at all. Like I would be I would be a fool to do that. Uh, and that's the beautiful thing about the the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. And I think Philippians 2.12 uh, is a great balance for us as Christians because you're so right, Bo. We, either, we err on one side or the other where we either think it's all grace and it's all God, so I just sit back and let him do it. Mm-hmm. Or I think it's all me and I need to be working harder and doing more. And Philippians 2 verse 12 says this, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So we read that part, we're like, oh my gosh, you know, I need, I need to work, I need to do stuff, I need to do more. But what does that lead to? It either leads to me feeling depressed because I realize, as Romans 7 says, to will is in me, but to do is not. Mm-hmm. So it means like, hey man, I really want to be free from poor, but what have I found in my life? I found nothing but failure. I found a desire present, but to actually carry out that desire is just not there. So it either leads me to depression or it leads me to judgmental a judgmental mindset where I'm like, you know, let's say I do succeed. I'm going to automatically look down my nose at people who are failing. Mm-hmm. Be like, man, I'm better than you. You know, I worked harder. I just I just wanted it more. You and guys need to. And there's nothing more probably despising in a pornography recovery program that someone walk in and they go, man, dude, I'm stuck. And you go, well, dude, if you do this, I know you're going to be free like in two months, yeah. you know, and, and they're like, after two months, they're like, dude, I'm still like struggling. And, mm. but now they feel worse. They feel like, you know, God, it didn't work. Yeah. Maybe like, I'm not saved. Maybe I'm not. Yeah. Maybe I'm not really part of the elect. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm not in. And then, and then despair sets in. Mm. 
And then when despair sets in, then complacency, um, or it becomes indifference. Yeah. You know, where pretty soon you become indifferent, and then pretty soon you're, you have to change your, your, your philosophy of thinking. You know, you maybe no longer uh, into, you know, theistic thought. <laughs> maybe yeah. now you're into deism or something that you have to change your view of God. Yeah, and that definitely happened to me uh, when I was 13. I think that was. Uh, some of the beginnings of my turn to atheism was I found that I could not get free from the sin on my own, so I started thinking maybe there is no God. Maybe it's just a fairy tale, you know, because yeah. if there was, wouldn't he be helping me? So that, that first part, like, again, it kind of freaks us out a little bit, but it says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But it's in, after that it says, for it is God who does in you both to will and to do. So you can't even will to do the right thing without God. So Philippians 2.12 gives us that perfect example that you are the one who is working, but it is God who puts in you the will to do it and the actual ability to complete it. But it only happened. This is something that was a total disconnect in my mind. It only happens for God's own glory and purpose and when he is the one who is doing the work. So it will never, ever work out for you. This is, this is something I had to wrestle with in my life. You will never find freedom if you see this sin as some sort of demon that you have to slay. It only works for you when you start to understand, not just in your head, but from your heart up, that it is Jesus Christ who washes your feet, that he is the one who cleanses you from all unrighteousness and makes you whole. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's, and then another, another passage on grace is that I think of is Titus chapter 2. Um, and I'll, I'll read that one as well, because this one is kind of instructive in that it tells us that grace actually does something in our life, um, which I think is pretty, pretty cool. It says that for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Now, that's obviously talking about someone in particular, but it, it, in verse 11, it, but it, instead of saying, you know, Jesus, you know, um, you know, it, it says the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So the grace of God that brings salvation is no other than Jesus Christ. Mm. You know, and it says teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I've always loved that passage because it teaches the kind of education of grace you know, grace is always moving me towards betterment, which is holiness, um, and which it's betterment for me to walk holy because I'm not going to destroy my life and I'm not going to destroy relationships. And it obviously is going to honor God. And so um, whatever's going to honor God is going to be for my betterment for sure. But it tells me specifically in verse 12 kind of what grace looks like. It teaches me to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. Hmm. So um, I kind of like that clear, just out in front, real simple approach to grace. Because um, it helps me. It's like that barometer, you know, in my life to go, hey, is this moving me towards this kind of behavior or that kind of behavior? And then I can kind of differentiate like, OK, well, that's grace and this isn't grace. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, does, is that making some sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, I, I love how in, in Titus 2 it says that uh, we're, we're looking for the, the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God, Jesus Christ. 
Uh, great God and Savior Jesus Christ. And, and I think about 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16, where he says, Beholding as in a mirror uh, the, the glory of Jesus, we are being transformed from that same glory to glory. So there's this picture uh, in both Titus and 2 Corinthians that this idea of grace and its ability to transform me comes from a focusing on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So, so once again, we have to get it out of our head that the idea of, of grace and the work of Jesus on the cross only brings you to heaven. Because it's not true. The grace of Jesus Christ, as Titus says and as 2 Corinthians says, as we focus on it, it not only, yeah, it brings you into heaven, but it establishes, affirms, and grows your relationship with God as a whole mm-hmm. and actually puts new desires in you. After it says that in Titus 2, it says, uh, not only does it teach me to deny ungodliness, it says that Jesus has separated his own special people and he says that we are zealous or excited for good works. So this is the, the beautiful teaching of grace is that it not only helps you to abstain from wrong things, but it gives you new desires, mm-hmm. which is something I never really thought was possible. I thought, I'm just, man, I'm just going to live out the rest of my life white knuckling it. You know? And I think that's the cool thing is when you, um, when you do a lot of, have done a lot of research with pornography, I think one of the most beautiful things that I have um, found in my own life for someone who's, been around it for a long time you know i tend to love that that thing in my heart that goes or let's just say you know god speaking to me in my heart or moving my heart to to say you know i remember when that thing was like the best but now it's just not what it was you know and i've always enjoyed that kind of vibe you know and as your relationship with god grows and that's I mean, that's why grace is so important in moving away from this, um, because it's not just about getting off of pornography, and that's not the goal of Running Light Ministries at all, and I try to tell people that. It's like, it's not about not viewing porn. I understand there's ministries and there's things out there that are kind of like, you know, fight this, don't do this, you know, kind of move, you know, that kind of thing, but... But we just find that that's not really uh, what it's about. It's really about drawing close to God. Mm-hmm. And if my relationship with God becomes beautiful and wonderful and I see him as everything, mm-hmm. um, then I'm going to be able to look at things. Not that I'm not going to be enticed and it's not that I'm not going to struggle mm-hmm. with those things. But even if I do fall, I'm going to look at my failure and I'm going to go, you know what? Something's not the same. Mm. You know, man, it's just not, it's not that good. Mm. And I, I kind of, that's why it's, it's like when someone comes to the groups and they, they say, hey, you know, like I, I've messed up this week. You know, I always like that follow up question of how did it make you feel? Mm. Um, and it's kind of a weird question because a lot of times they're not expecting it. You know, and they're like, what? What do you mean? How did it make me feel? I feel like crap. You know what I mean? And they're all bummed about it. And you're like, well, good. Yeah. You know, that's awesome. You know, and they're like, what? You know, awesome. But, yeah, I mean, we understand what we're trying to get at is we're trying to help them see that something's happening in their life. Yeah, your heart's changing. That's right. And, and I love in Titus 2, once again, that it says that uh, as I look at Jesus, it says, this grace that appears to me, it teaches me. In that word, it's it's not like it. He doesn't say it taught me, mm-hmm. like past tense. Right. It says it teaches me. It's a continuing process that happens inside of my life, and that's one of the major things that helps me 
in my fight today to not lose heart. Because if I still had my same perspective of what freedom looked like uh, six years ago where I thought that freedom means I will never, ever, ever desire porn ever again, mm-hmm. I would have already lost heart. I would have already given up. Right. And because, a lot of people think that way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how could you not lose heart if that's your if that's your definition? But if I instead change it and I say, no, freedom means me spending more time with Jesus, loving him more, and having that change my heart and my desires gradually to be for him and not for porn. So even if, like you like you articulated a little bit ago, Bo, even if I fell tonight, which I could, you know, mm-hmm. I, have, I have a heart of stone, I got feet of clay, I could go down tonight. It wouldn't change my path. It wouldn't change anything. I would fall and I would feel like junk because I sinned against God who I love. And I would get back up, as Proverbs 24:16 says, the righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. I would get back up. I would recognize, hey, God loves me. He cares for me. He sent his son to die for me. If while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me, how much more will the sacrifice be for those who believe and walk in him? Uh, and I would, I would be able to get back up again in that strength. And I would just keep running after him because he is my, my hope, my joy, and, and, and my portion in everything I do. Yeah, it's it's good. A lot of people obviously um, don't think of it that way, and so there's a lot of despair in their life, you know, when they do um, bail and they think, God, I'm not, you know, maybe I wasn't free, mm. you know, maybe I wasn't free, you know, and it's difficult too, because uh, you know, the, the, that kind of thought, it's it's tough when you're, especially when you're married and you're dealing with uh, a sexual sin within marriage. You know, where maybe within you're doing, you're having sex, it can be, there can be that guilt and shame and you can beat yourself up more and you can, you know, those type of things. And you do have to, you have to think through the relationship that you have with God because that's going to be the changing factor in how you relate to your sin. Mm. Um, If you relate with God different um, and it's based off this love relationship with Jesus, then you're going to relate to your sin a lot different too. But if your relationship with Christ is um, not based off of a love relationship and that forever love that he has, that he rejoices over you with singing, that he has your tears, he puts them in a bottle, man, and he just he loves you. He knows you in and out, and, mm-hmm. and yet he still would die for you. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's not there and you just have a, a fear of God, like a, a, the, the terror, you know, kind of thing that... Um, um, then you know you're going to have a different relationship to your 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 porn too. You know, mm-hmm. porn's going to seem better. Why wouldn't it seem better? <laughs> it seems like a much more nicer relationship than the other one. Yeah, for sure. And I think about it this way. You know, if I was driving down the highway today and I got pulled over by a cop, you know, and I got a speeding ticket, that wouldn't change my heart towards the speeding laws of Tucson, Arizona. I wouldn't mm-hmm. like drive away from that and be like, oh, man, I'm so blessed to have speeding laws in Arizona. Mm-hmm. You know, they keep me safe and I love them. And I would, you know, call up my mayor and just be like, dude, you're awesome. I just love you. You know, no way. I would be pissed. I'd be like, yeah. man, I can't believe I got this ticket. This is unfair. I guess I just need to, you know, act act out what a, what a good citizen would do. And I need to follow the speed laws so that I don't get the speeding ticket. So the only reason why I'm doing the right thing is out of fear. It's that relationship with fear. It doesn't uh, cause me to change my heart. It doesn't cause me to have a relationship with anyone. And it certainly doesn't give me any joy. I just do it because I have to. 
but once again, think about the idea of doing something out of a motivation of love, you know, whether it be with your kids, your parents, a friend, or a spouse. You know, how does it change your heart? How does it change the way you look at things, your motivation, your joy, when you do something not out of a necessity or a fear, but out of love? And how does that actually actually cause you to have greater victory because i think about it this way you know no matter how much again i'm afraid of letting someone down that's not a strong enough motivator to change me and i know that i have been afraid of this sin for a long time but it didn't change me Mm -hmm. but you know what the love of god the love of christ that's what changes me that's what actually makes me a new man uh, just like, you know, love in a marriage can make you a new person, a brand new person. I mean, I, I look at my buddies who aren't even Christians, and when they have kids, how it changes them. Like, mm-hmm. drastically, it changes them. And when I ask them, you know, what, what changed you? It, it, it certainly isn't some law. It's love. You know, the, the fight that we have, it is, a, it is a hardcore fight, but it's a fight for love. And it, it, I think it's best articulated by this guy named John Newton. Uh, he wrote hymns back in the day. And oh, he, yeah. He wrote this awesome hymn. And and uh, listen to what he says. He says this, Then all my servile works were done, a righteousness to raise. Now freely chosen in the Son, I freely choose His ways. Our pleasure and our duty, though opposite before, since we have seen His beauty, are joined to part no more. To see the law by Christ fulfilled and hear His pardoning voice has transformed a slave into a child and duty into choice. Mm. You know, just like such a radical uh, lyric that I think is just so beautiful of mm. how this guy viewed his relationship with God, that I'm not a slave, I'm not motivated by fear, but love, which is far more powerful. Yeah, that's that's cool. And, you know, with that idea, too, it, it's like you have to understand, and we'll be wrapping up the podcast here, but, you know, you have to understand that uh, for those of you who are out there listening to this, you know, that... The fight, the fight that we are in um, daily, is not a bad thing. It's actually a work of grace in itself, mm. you know, that we are able to battle. Mm. Um, so even the idea of coming against something that you don't want to do—drinking, smoking, you know, chasing women, whatever it is—even um, the the will again to go against it is grace, man. It's cool. And, you know, Blaise Pascal in his Christian life writing, he says, um, he puts it this way. It is true that there is difficulty in entering upon the pious life, meaning the holy life. But this difficulty does not come from the piety which is beginning to exist within us, but from the imp- impiety which is still there. Meaning we still have this yuck body. We still have this fleshly nature. Mm. If our senses were not opposed to this uh, repentance, and if our corruption were not opposed to the purity of God, there would be in that nothing difficult for us. We suffer only in proportion as vi- as vice, which is natural to us, resist supernatural grace. So he talks about it like, hey, you're in a battle, but the battle's not God's fault. God's the one who's actually pulling you out. <laughs> So it's like, you know, don't get discouraged in your in your idea with God. And that's what he's trying to get at is, you know, when you're battling sin, 
you don't get discouraged at God. Why is God not pulling me out? Blah, blah, blah. You know, that kind of attitude that we hear, you know, quite a bit where you hear that man, God's not doing a work. God's not doing a work. God's not doing a work. But his, Blaise Pascal's idea was the cruelest war which God can bring to men in this life is to leave them without that war. Hmm. <laughs> so, so Pascal thought that Man, if God was cruel, he just wouldn't be in your life working at all. He wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't bring, have brought that war into your life. So, which is cool. That's an, that's a gift of God to be able to battle, um, against these things. Yeah. So, man, I mean, grace is amazing. And there's two books that I would suggest. Um, I don't know if there's any others you would suggest, but there's two that I think of that are kind of, Really good reads, I think, for those of you that are going through recovery and you really need to be wrapped up in a lot of grace literature. And that is What's So Amazing About Grace, um, which is by, um, uh, let's see, What's So Amazing About Grace? Let me get Yancey, this right. Yeah. Yancey, yeah. Philip Yancey wrote What's So Amazing About Grace. And then um, How Grace Changes Everything, mm-hmm. which is by Pastor um, Chuck Smith. Um, those two are ones that I would recommend to be like a staple in someone's life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, um, how grace changes everything definitely changed me. I love his uh, chapter about you know we're not factories but we're we're trees. You know the idea you're not you're not working out something for God, but he brings you back to Galatians five where it's the fruit of the Spirit that's working in you. It's God doing that work from the inside out from the roots up that's producing those good works that love that joy that peace that patience that self-control that we all want so much mm-hmm. says that's an inworking of god's spirit in us it's not something you work for check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series take flight and love or lust you can also send us questions on twitter at running light or on our runninglight.org podcast page like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36.8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures.